Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. I'm grateful that you have uh, listened today. This episode is going to continue a stream of thought that we began uh, just the last time, and I want to talk to you about spiritual gifts. We're going to do several episodes on the topic of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and if you didn't listen to the last two episodes, then I really want to encourage you to go back. They're about 25 to 30 minutes apiece, and they really set the table for what we're going to be talking about in the next several episodes, and my intention for all of this is to help two groups of people on this topic of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The first group of people is the group that I used to be a part of. And I was part of a denomination and a theological camp that did not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'll explain why I did not believe in the gifts of the Spirit uh, in probably this podcast and the next one a little bit more. But I was part of that camp, and it was the teaching of the scriptures that actually brought the revelation that the gifts are real, they're operative, they're active, they're available, and they're necessary. They're not optional, they're necessary. And so I moved out of the camp of what was called cessationism, still is called cessationism, but I used to be a part of it. And I moved into the camp that is called the continuationist camp, or more commonly referred to as the charismatic camp. And most of you that are listening are part of the charismatic uh, flavor of Christianity. And what I'm going to share with you is that theologically speaking, every single Christian is actually a charismatic. They may not know that. They may not want to agree to that. But uh, strictly defined by Scripture, we are all charismatics because we all have gifts from the Holy Spirit. Now, the second group of people that I want to talk to in this series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit are those of you that have been charismatics your whole Christian life. In other words, you were never aware or never indoctrinated that there was a way of believing in Christianity that discounted diminished, diluted, or denied the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're like, well, of course we have the gifts of the Spirit. How could anybody say we didn't? Well, I want you to know that some people that really, really, really love Jesus and are serving Jesus and trying their best to honor the Lord and are sacrificial and sincere and really committed in the kingdom, they don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they were taught wrongly. And here's what I believe, instead of dividing over this issue, that those of us who have experienced the gifts of the Holy Spirit, operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're not to, you know, walk in arrogance or pride or some kind of false sense of being a superior version of Christianity. My goodness, that's so foreign to the heart of Jesus. We could, we have to repent of that kind of nonsense and looking down on other Christians. What I would say is that my desire is to bring these um, lessons, these episodes on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so that those of you that are charismatics might be equipped to help people who don't believe in the gifts. 
by coming against that false theology called cessationism that I was taught and to be able to show them in the scriptures why cessationism is clearly a man-made doctrine that is based on a lack of experience with the encounter of the Holy Spirit. And it's also based on a perpetuation of a version of theology that's not rooted in scripture. And so if you're new to Mavericks and Misfits, one of the things you're going to hear me say regularly is I am unapologetically biblical. I believe in prophecy. I believe in words of knowledge. I believe in words of wisdom. I believe in tongues. I believe in miracles. I believe in healings. I believe in the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. We need to remain, maybe even more so in this generation, remain biblical Christians. We have to be people of the Word of God. And so I'm going to show you from the Word of God why I believe that the gifts are legit. We're going to go over the various gifts in upcoming episodes. What exactly is tongues? Is there a difference between prophesying in tongues and praying in tongues? What about the gift of the interpretation of tongues? How are the gifts used? How are the gifts misused? Is there any reason that the gifts should continue to be disused? And so we've got a lot of different thoughts that are going to be compounding on this. We talk about prophecy, which is probably the most controversial gift that is operating today that causes so much division. What about miracles and healings and, you know, dreams and visions? And then you've got some gifts that people don't ever argue about. Gifts of leadership, gifts of administration, gifts of giving. Nobody thinks those gifts have stopped. Gifts of teaching. And so there's so much a debate and difference of opinion on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I think it's a good thing and a great season for all of us to come together and just ask this one question. What exactly does the Bible say? I mean, there's a novel idea. Who cares what the cessationists say or the charismatics say? What does the Bible say about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because ultimately, the Word of God is settled forever. And it is from the Word of God that we will be eventually measured when we stand before Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will not say, how did you do according to your, your denominational standards or your, um, the camp that you were brought up in theologically? You know, the word of God is the treasure that is given to us. And we have to say, no matter who disagrees, no matter um, whose feathers it ruffles, we have to say, let God be true and every man a liar. And so, again, let me just say this as a maverick and a misfit, you may share this kind of attitude with me. Ultimately, we don't really care what everybody else says. It's not that we don't care completely. It's we won't be controlled. There's a difference between caring what people say versus being controlled by what people say. I will not be controlled by what anybody says. I want to know what God says. And on this issue of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's so much writing on the conclusions that we uh, come to that we can't, we can't endure more and more decades of not knowing where to land on this issue. So if you're a cessationist, if you're part of a denomination that says the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit has ended that tongues are no more, that prophecy is no more, that healings, miracles are not to be expected anymore. If they occur, they're incidental, but they're not normative. If you're part of that group, I really hope you'll continue to listen to all of these messages and then draw your own conclusions and just answer the question, is Jeff teaching what the Bible says or has Jeff got his own slant? And if you are a charismatic, then I would, I would say this, that if you really treasure the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you're using them for the reason that God gives them, which we'll talk about in this series, why does God give the gifts of the Spirit? If you're really using them the way God intends, then we're going to have compassion and a desire to help those 
who don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the reason why many people don't experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit is because we rarely experience something we don't believe in. And so part of the lack of, of manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in, in the last hundred years or even 200 years in the church, part of the reason is because people were taught these gifts don't exist, they're not available, and you shouldn't go after them. It's a demonic doctrine, in my opinion. Wouldn't it be just like Satan to say that the powerful supernatural gifting of the Holy Spirit is not available anymore? That sounds like something the devil would say. Why? Because if you don't believe in those gifts, then you're having to lean on your own understanding. You have to focus on your own discipline. You have to work on your own natural gifts and ability. And everything becomes man-centered instead of talking about being abiding in Jesus, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, walking in purity and consecration, and just receiving the power that flows through a Christian who does that kind of um, approach to the Christian life. So I'm going to begin with a verse today. This is not going to be a long session, but it is going to be important because it kind of sets the table from which we're going to eat in the next episodes. And I really want to encourage you to study the book of 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. I'd encourage you to read those three chapters every day over the next several weeks and let the Holy Spirit just kind of breathe truth into you because those are major uh, chapters in the New Testament that teach us about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it opens up with this statement from Paul. The very first statement is he's talking to, quite frankly, a church that is dysfunctional. The church at Corinth was dysfunctional. They were incredibly gifted, had all sorts of power and flowing in the Holy Spirit, but they were dysfunctional because they didn't operate in love. And so this is what Paul says. Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Paul opens up this topic by saying his deepest apostolic desire for the people at Corinth was he did not want them to be uninformed or ignorant about spiritual gifts, gifts of grace, gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting is that Paul devotes about 20% of the entire book of 1 Corinthians to this issue of spiritual gifts. Unfortunately, in our generation, a lot of people have made spiritual gifts like this side issue. And while I will never divide fellowship, break fellowship with somebody who believes differently than I do about the gifts of the Spirit, and I don't think that's what God wants us to do at all, but I would tell you this, it's not a side issue. It's extremely important. It is not something that we should just learn to live without. It's not, a, it's not kind of an irrelevant thing. It's crucial to the Christian life, and especially when it comes to ministry and advancing the gospel in each generation. And that is why Paul said, concerning spiritual gifts, my brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. Paul didn't want people to be ignorant. And I would say this, you can experience the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit and still remain ignorant of what you're actually experiencing. It's not enough to experience it. You've got to understand what can be understood about the gifts of the Spirit. And that's why we're going to study 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and a few other passages. Now, for those of you who've been taught your whole Christian life that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not available like they were in the first century, and that's the doctrine of cessationism. I'm not going to go into deep, um, you know, waters about explaining cessationism. I just wanted to let it be said that cessationism, ceasing, that is the word, the root word is ceasing. The gifts have ceased, according to the cessationists. 
And what they mean by that is the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. And so for those of you that have been taught that and believe that, I applaud you for even listening to this podcast because it's probably going to challenge you. But here's some proverbs that I'm going to leave you with because we're going to be going into some things that are opposing to what you've been taught. So let's, let's get some wisdom on this before we even get into the content. Proverbs 19.27 says this, Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. The writer of Proverbs said there, if you cease to hear instruction, you will stray from the words of knowledge. So we have a constant need to remain humble and teachable and to be able to be instructed. Proverbs 18.17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Let me just give you this. Most people believe what they believe about the gifts of the Holy Spirit based on who got to them first. Whoever taught you first, you more than likely embraced their views on the Holy Spirit. And that's why the writer of Proverbs gives us a warning that we can apply here. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. So I'm going to challenge what some of you may have heard first. And if this isn't what you have heard first, then you have an opportunity to weigh both sides of the argument and come to your biblical conclusion. And then you've got Proverbs 16, 20. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Again and again, you're going to hear me say, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible teach? Who cares what your denomination teaches? Who cares what your favorite preacher teaches? Who cares what this podcast teaches if it doesn't line up with the word of God? Because whoever gives thought to the word will discover good. I love that. It means you will find something that was previously covered up to you. You will discover good as you are blessed to trust in the Lord. And then the last proverb I'll leave you with as we approach the study is from Proverbs 19. It says, listen to advice. Proverbs 19, 20, and 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. For many are the plans and the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That's powerful. That verse 21 of Proverbs 19, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we have to answer the question, what is God's purpose in giving the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Um, What is his purpose? What was his original purpose? And uh, we believe that those purposes continue today. So what are those purposes? Well, let me give you a couple of things before we, and remember Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. So the whole point in today's episode is he doesn't want us operating in ignorance. So I'm setting the table here just for us to begin to, to feast in upcoming episodes on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So here's some undebatable teaching about spiritual gifts as revealed in scripture. Here's what we cannot debate. This is crystal clear in scripture. That first of all, spiritual gifts were God's idea. They weren't, they weren't some denomination's idea. Spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were God's idea. And they were granted by God to all believers. And they characterized the life and the ministry of the early church. You're going to find that all throughout the book of Acts. That God gave spiritual gifts. The idea originated with him. God, we're going to find out in this study, not today's episode, but in the next one, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are granted by God to every single believer. 
and that the gifts of the Holy Spirit characterize the life and the ministry of the early church. That's undebatable. I don't know anybody that would debate that on either side of the uh, aisle on this topic of the Holy Spirit gifts. Everybody would believe that. Now, we also notice, notice this in Scripture. The spiritual gifts are seen in the Bible as being, in various places, properly used, but also improperly abused. So even in the Bible, you find that people were properly using the spiritual gifts, and you're going to find in other places that they were improperly abusing the spiritual gifts. So the abuse of spiritual gifts was there at the very beginning. Why do I make that point? Because a lot of people say, well, look at how spiritual gifts are abused today. That can't be of God. And they end up tossing the baby out with the bathwater. Well, friends, in the first century, in the early church, in the book of Acts, in the epistles, you see that people were using properly the gifts in certain places, and in other places, they were improperly abusing the gifts. Now, when gifts are properly used, the, the, they bring God great glory. And they edify the church when they're properly used. You see that in the scripture. But when they're improperly abused, spiritual gifts, they, they kind of become a source of dishonor to God. And they actually breed disunity in the church. So when they're abused, it's dishonor and disunity. When they're used properly, it's glory to God and good to the church. Um, again, every single one of us that are Christians, every believer for all of time, has been granted access to spiritual gifts by God. And I'm going to prove that to you from the scriptures in an upcoming episode. Every believer is granted access to multiple spiritual gifts by God. And spiritual gifts, listen, they are supernatural endowments belonging to us, belonging to Christians, and all of them, every single one of them are imparted via the person of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are not just you being awesome at what you do in your flesh or in the natural. Every spiritual gift, they're imparted to the believer through the person of the Holy Spirit. There is no spiritual gift apart from the determination and the disbursement of the Holy Spirit. So it's very personal. It's interactive. He didn't give you gifts so you could just run off and master them in your own power. He wants to work with you as he works through you. And that makes it highly relational. Um, here's something that can't be debated also about spiritual gifts, that not everybody is going to manifest the same gifts or even the same level of functionality with those gifts. So some people might share the same gift, but they'll have different levels of functionality. That's actually ex explained and taught in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so you may not have the exact gift that somebody else has. Or if y'all happen to have the same gift, he or she may use it at a different level. Maybe they're, they're more elevated than you in that gift. Maybe they're not as elevated as you. But that's okay because we're not in competition. We are to grow in the gifts. And listen, that's the beauty of doing it with the Holy Spirit. Because you can grow in the um, degree to which you are operating in spiritual gifts. We'll show that in this study. Now, I want to say this. This is also undebatable. Some spiritual gifts have been in the past and are still today controversial. Okay, let's go ahead and just embrace that. Charismatics and non-charismatics alike, you need to hear this. Some spiritual gifts have always been controversial and they still are today. 
People want to say, well, we don't talk about the gifts because that's controversial and it's divisive. Well, friends, listen, there's so many subjects in the word of God that can breed, if we're not careful, controversy and debate and division. We have to steward these topics humbly and spiritual gifts is one of them. And so I'm not looking to pick a fight. What I'm looking to do is bring us all to a common understanding of what does the Bible say? Not what does history teach, but what does the Bible say? Now, what are some debated teachings about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? We'll probably wrap up with this part today. Here's some debated teaching about the spiritual gifts, and we see this in the Bible. So here's, here's questions that can come about as we, as we go through this topic, and people will have different answers, uh, answers to these questions. Um, here's the first one. Does, does Scripture give us an exhaustive list, a complete list, of all possible spiritual gifts? Does the Bible list, and throughout the numerous books of the Bible, does it list every single spiritual gift? Do we have anywhere a comprehensive package of every possible spiritual gift? People, people debate that. Some people say yes, that only the ones that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, those are the only gifts available. Other people would say, oh, no, no, no. The gifts are as varied, are varied as, as God is deep. So in other words, there are massive gifts that go beyond just the list in Scripture. So we're going to have to talk about that because it's a debated issue. Now, here's another debated issue. If the Holy Spirit chooses specific gifts to specific people, why are we then commanded in Scripture to pursue the gifts? I, I love that question. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit gives the disbursement of gifts to whom he chooses for the purpose he chooses, yet at the same time, Scripture is very clear in commanding all Christians to earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, to pursue spiritual gifts. And we're even told to pursue prophecy more than we pursue any other gift. That's a command in the Bible. And so if, if he gives who he wants to give the gifts to, for the reasons he wants, why, why then would we be called to pursue spiritual gifts? Great question. Glad you asked it. We'll answer it in a different episode. Now, do all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit still function today? That is the big debate. Do all the gifts of the Holy Spirit still function today? Some of you would be like, yeah. Others of you would be, I don't think so. And so, again, these are debated issues. But listen, both groups can't be right. There's a definitive answer to this. Either the gifts of the Holy Spirit are all operational today or they, or they aren't. It, it's one or the other. Both groups can't be right. And so if, if they don't, if all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not functioning today, how do we know which ones have ceased and which ones continue? How are we supposed to know that? How do we know that some go on and some don't? Well, that's a great question because it needs to be answered by the scriptures themselves. And then here we go. What are you and I supposed to think about the misuse of apparent spiritual gifts among Christians today? I mean, I'm just going to go on record as a guy who operates in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, teaches the gifts of the Holy Spirit, has had experience in imparting gifts of the Holy Spirit to others. How do we think about the misuse of apparent spiritual gifts among believers today? Um, I want to say a quick word to my brothers and sisters that are charismatics. One of the reasons why cessationists are very reluctant to cross over into saying, yes, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is because they have watched for decades charismatics dismiss the biblical parameters for how these gifts are to be used. 
They've heard prophecies that are given boldly. And when those prophecies fail, those, those prophets excuse what they said and, and, and try to you know, tweak it and do gymnastics with it and bend it in a way that is different than what they actually said. Um, what about the use of tongues? The Bible actually gives parameters about how tongues are to be used in a corporate worship setting, and that is probably one of the most flagrantly violated practices of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that when we do a full couple of, couple of lessons on the gift of tongues. So let me just go on record in saying to those of you that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit especially, um, I recognize that the gifts are misused by a lot of people and the question is, is what do we do with that? Do we say the doctrine is false, that the gifts are invalid because they are misused? Well, here's my quick answer to that. Are we going to do that with all the gifts that you do believe in? Has teaching ever been misused? Has intercessory prayer ever been misused? Has ministry gifting and giving and finance and leadership, have those gifts ever been misused? Of course they have. And yet we are never um, eager to dismiss those gifts because of the misuse. But when it comes to tongues and prophecy, prophecy and miracles and healings, because we've seen misuse, the knee-jerk reaction for a lot of Christians is to say, well, that can't be real. We're just not going to believe in any of those gifts. And I would caution you that you are cutting yourself off from the valid expression of spiritual gifts when you base your opinion on how they are abused or misused. Here's something to live by. You never judge the validity of a doctrine based on how it's misused. You never judge the validity of a doctrine based on how it's misused. You have to go to the scriptures and say, what does the scripture say? And then I guess one of the other debated issues as we're wrapping up is, why do the vast majority of our Christian lives not look anything like the lives of the believers in the New Testament? How come we don't look like the people in the book of Acts in what we see? Where's the power? Where is the supernatural work of God in the church today? How come it isn't widespread? Or should we even expect that we would look like them? I mean, we have a completed Bible. Did that replace the need for the supernatural power of God? A lot of people believe so. I'm not one of those people. And so, again, as we're wrapping up, let me just say this. The principle that's going to govern this series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit is very simple. What does the Bible say about the nature, purpose, and current status of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to do my very best to keep my opinion out of it. I will share with you the experiences that I've had with the gifts of the Holy Spirit as one who came from a cessationist camp into a charismatic frame of mind concerning the gifts. But ultimately, what I want you to do is say, what does the Bible teach about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Let me leave you this quote from the most famous Baptist pastor probably that has ever walked planet Earth. How many of us love Charles Spurgeon? We love Spurgeon. And of course, Charles Spurgeon lived a couple of hundred years ago, and so his world was very different. He was a Calvinist. He was reformed in his theology. He was a master orator and preacher, but he was Baptist to the core. And listen to this quote from him that he gave in his sermon called The Power of the Holy Spirit. And this was preached on June 17th in 1855. And here's what Charles Spurgeon 
preached. I would say, here's what Charles Spurgeon prophesied, but I'll, I'll not give that word to him because he may not have received it, but here's what he said, and we got to love this. Charles Spurgeon said, and I quote, another great work of the Holy Spirit, which is not yet accomplished, is bringing on the latter day glory. In a few more years, I know not when, I know not how, the Holy Spirit will be poured out in a far different style from the present. There are diversities of operations, and during the last few years, it has been the case that the diversified operations have consisted of very little pouring out of the Spirit. Ministers have gone dull in their routines, continually preaching, 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 and little good has been done. I do hope that a fresh era has dawned upon us and that there is a better pouring out of the Spirit even now. For the hour is coming, and it may be even now when the Holy Ghost will be poured out again in such a wonderful manner that many will run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. The knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the surface of the great deep. When his kingdom shall come, and his will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven, my eyes flash with the thought that very likely I shall live to see the outpouring of the Spirit when, quote, the sons and the daughters of God shall prophesy, the young men shall see visions, and the old men shall dream dreams. Wow. Charles Spurgeon doesn't sound like a, a 19th century Baptist Calvinist. Charles Spurgeon sounds like a charismatic prophet of the 21st century who is hungering and thirsting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Here's my thought. If Charles Spurgeon, that renowned Baptist Calvinist, had such a deep hunger for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and believed the day would come when it would happen on earth again, then my friends, why should we come up short? Make sure to tune in next time, my friends. I hope that you'll continue in this series with me. I'm stirred just sharing the introduction today. Go back and listen to the last two episodes with what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit, Paul taught about the Holy Spirit, and then get ready for the one that's going to be coming next, and we'll go a little bit deeper. I promise you in the series, I'm going to talk about all the stuff that we love to talk about when it comes to the gifts. We're going to talk about the gift of tongues. We're going to talk about prophecy. We're going to talk about miracles and healings, word of knowledge word of wisdom, and then a host of other gifts. If you are interested in learning more about my own personal transition, my transformation coming out of the world of the cessationist and moving into the world of what I would call the fuller steps of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go. You can get it at our website, transformingtruth.org, or just go to jefflyle.com and you can order a copy there. That book shares not only my theological journey to come to a place where I believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it also shares some radical encounters that I had that shaped my early views um, of the Holy Spirit and what is gift supply. Even while I was a Baptist pastor leading a church whose bylaws said we do not believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's been an incredible journey. I encourage you to get a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go. You can buy it at jefflyle.com or you can get it where anywhere where books are sold. Uh, it's also on audible.com where I narrate the whole thing. But it's just such a treasure to be able to teach on the subject. Some of you are going to come alive. God's going to use these lessons to do to you what he did to me. And you're going to step into the fullness of the Holy Spirit in ways that you never imagined. Mm -hmm. 
It's going to get messy in your life, but it's going to be so enriching and so good, and you will be ruined for the average Christian life. You will become a maverick, and as you become a maverick, you will find yourself in many places as a misfit because you are no longer being defined by denominational status quo Christianity. You become a a person who is following the Lord according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and according to the parameters of the Holy Scriptures. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.